Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you your Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I do that, if you could, please, whether you are listening to this on Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you're listening to this podcast from, if you could, please subscribe to the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. And also leave a review. Because when you do that, it allows algorithms to know that this podcast exists. And I would be greatly appreciated. Now, with that being said, let's start off with the show. Monday Night Raw, we will have Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss coming down to the ring. Bianca will talk about damage control, helping Bailey last week to beat Alexa. Bianca will say that at Extreme Rules, Asuka and Alexa will be watching her back to make sure that her match with Bailey stays with just between those two. Then you will see damage control come out, and Bailey would tell Bianca that Bianca was handed everything while she had to fight for where she is today. Which that isn't technically true because Bianca, she wasn't handed anything in NXT. If anything, she had to prove herself a lot. But point being. Uh, Bailey would say that while she was gone, Bianca was able to become a champion. Bianca had to correct Bailey by saying that while she was here, Bailey sat on the sidelines while Bianca main evented WrestleMania, and that the last time they wrestled each other, she KOD Bailey on a ladder. Bailey would then get the idea to make her match with Bianca a ladder match at Extreme Rules for the Raw Women's Championship, so that becomes confirmed. So we get our first match of the night, Bianca Belair with Asuka and Alexa in her corner, going against Io, who had Dakota and Bailey in her corner. Bianca would win the match by pinfall when she would hit Io with the KOD for the win, so this is giving Bianca some momentum as she goes into her match with Bailey next Sunday at Extreme Rules for the Raw Women's Championship in a ladder match. After this, we would have Rey Mysterio going against Seth Rollins. Dominic would be at ringside for this matchup. Seth would win the match by ref stoppage, and thanks to Dominic and Rhea Ripley as well. When Ray would hit Seth with the 619, Ray would then see Seth roll out of the ring. Ray would follow him and jump off the ring apron and hit him with a hurricane rana. Dominic would be at ringside and Dom would get out of his steel chair and throw it at the feet of Ray, trying to have his father again hit him in the face with the chair the same way that he did last week. Ray wouldn't take the bait and Seth would roll into the ring, and this would distract the ref so that Rhea would appear from the crowd and push Ray into the ring post. Dominic would then put Ray in the ring, and this would allow Seth to hit Ray with a curb stomp, and then Seth would put Ray in the Peruvian necktie submission, which is basically a guillotine choke, but you put like your legs up more on your opponent's like shoulders instead of around their stomach. So Seth would win the match, and again, this is giving Seth some momentum into his match with Riddle Again, at Extreme Rules in the fight pit. And also, this is putting more, well, fuel into the fire of will Ray ever strike his son because Ray has made a proclamation and proclamation that he will not attack Dominic Mysterio. But we all know it's going to come to it, but we just don't know when. After this, we had a tag matchup of Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens going against the Alpha Academy. Gargano would win the match for his team by pinfall when Kevin Owens put Otis through the commentary table by an hitting Otis with an elbow drop off the barricade. Theory would try to interfere by grabbing Gargano's leg when he went for the super kick. This would allow Gable to hit Gargano with a cliffhanger DDT. Gargano would then kick out of the pin. Gable would kick Gargano out of the ring, and Gable would destroy the referee, leading to Theory trying to hit Gargano with the Money in the Bank briefcase, but Gargano would duck it and super kick Theory. Gargano would then finish Gable off with the one final beat, which is basically a springboard DDT into the ring to beat the Alpha Academy. Later in the night, we will see Theory with Alpha Academy. Theory is chastising them for not beating Kevin Owens and Gargano. Gable says that if it wasn't for that dummy Braun Strowman, we would have beaten them. And then you see Theory get a phone call and he passes the phone over to Gable saying that the person on the other wants to talk to him. And it's Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman said, dummy, huh? So, I'll meet you next week on Monday Night Raw. So, next week on Raw, we're going to get Gable going against Braun Strowman, as well as Otis going against Johnny Gargano. After this, we have Omos going against two local guys. MVP was on commentary for this matchup. Omos would win the match by pinfall when he would double choke slam both men and place his foot on one of them for the win. This was another squash match. After the match, you would see MVP to Omos to throw both of the men out of the ring. Omos would do that. Then he would stack the men on the commentary table. 
climb on the table and put his feet on them. Uh, the one thing I did not mention, by the way, is that during this matchup, you would see the MVP was talking about how Omas is the real monster around here. Braun is just a man playing make-believe or some of that like nature. And you could tell that we're setting up for Braun Strowman to go against Omas. And more or less, Omas is probably going to interfere in Braun's match with Gable next week on Raw. That's where the story, I believe, is heading towards. But we'll see what next week on Raw. Uh, backstage, we see Miz, and he has a security detail team called Miz Force, and they're there to make sure to find Dexter Loomis. Throughout the night, we would get like video of wrestlers walking backstage, and security guards would be laid out. And ultimately, you would see all of them stacked in one area. Miz walking back. He sees the Miz Force down, and now Miz is worried. And he knows that Dexter Loomis is somewhere around. And the funny thing is that Miz walks into a mannequin that is of a hockey player, but it's not a mannequin. It's Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis will hit Miz in the stomach with the hockey stick and then break the hockey stick over the back of Miz, then lock in the silencer on Miz. And that's it. We still do not know why Dexter Loomis is out here attacking Miz. We have no indication of it yet. Hopefully, we'll get it sometime soon. After this, we would go to the ring, and we have Nikki A.S.H. in the ring waiting for her opponent to come out, and her opponent is the debuting Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae has been on WWE programming for a year now because she was pregnant and she gave birth, and also her contract was out, so it seems to me Triple H has like, signed Candice to a new contract with WWE. So it was a good feeling to see Candice here. Again, she did what her husband did, Johnny Gargano did, what, a month ago? Debut, and nobody knew about it. So Candice would debut here. She would win her match against Nikki A.S.H. when she would hit a swinging neckbreaker off the second turnbuckle for the win. So Candice has some momentum going into whatever she's going into next. And it was nice to see Candice here on Monday Night Raw. Now off to the next match, it would be Sami Zayn with Sol Sokoa going against AJ Styles. AJ Styles had nobody in his corner because AJ declined Finn Balor's help Earlier in the night, Finn Balor came up to AJ and said, hey, listen, your offer still stands to join the Judgment Day. Sammy has Solo out there. Why not use us? AJ says, nah, I'm good. So AJ goes out here by himself, and he would pay for the ramifications of that because Sammy would win the match by pinfall thanks to some help from Solo Sokoa. When AJ was on the ring apron, Sammy would grab AJ by his hair. The referee would count to four and separate Sammy from AJ. This will lead to Solo grabbing AJ off the ring apron and hitting a Uranage on the ring apron. Solo would then put AJ back in the ring, and this would allow Sammy to hit AJ with a Haluva kick for the win. So after the match, as Sammy Zayn and Solo Sokoa are walking to the back, Judgment Day would come down, and Finn would be in the ring with AJ as the rest of the Judgment Day would surround the ring. Finn would again play the friend card to AJ to try to get him to join the Judgment Day, saying, hey man, I told you that if you would have had us out here, you probably would have won the match. So again, he sticks his hand out and he throws up the two sweep for AJ to uh, join a judgment day. But AJ is holding the shoulder. He throws up the two sweep, but then he switches it up to the bird and he flicks the bird off at Finn Balor. And Finn just starts laying into AJ, kicks him in his gut, starts beating him up on the back. You see Damien and Dominic come in the ring, start stomping out. AJ, along with Finn, Rhea Ripley gets a steel chair. She passes it to Finn inside the ring. Uh, Damien would put the chair on AJ's neck. And now it seems that Finn is about to run over and jump on the chair to kind of try to brutalize and end AJ's career. But before he could stomp on it, he would stop in midair and just hold his foot up. And then he would put his foot down and he goes over and hunch over at AJ and tells him, I'm your friend. I could have ended your career right here. I didn't do that because I'm your friend. And that's not what friends do. So again, Finn is trying to make AJ turn over and go into the Judgment Day, but that doesn't seem to happen. We'll see if it does happen, but right now it doesn't seem that way. Uh, after this, we get to our main event match of the night. Matt Riddle going against Damian Priest, who had Judgment Day in his corner. Riddle would win the match by pinfall. Riddle would be on Damian's shoulder, and Riddle would roll up Damian for the win. After the match, Judgment Day would beat up on Riddle until a surprise appearance from Edge would appear, and Edge would run down to the ring and take care of the Judgment Day. He'll beat up on Damien, he'll beat up on Finn, and even hit Finn with a spear. Edge would get 
a microphone and this is what he would say to end Monday Night Raw. You have tried to finish me over and over again, but I always come back. Even if it takes me nine years, I come back and I got to come back in Edmonton. You see, I don't quit. So Finn, I'm gonna challenge you at Extreme Rules for the first time ever, Edge versus Finn Balor. In an I quit match. So we have Finn Balor going against Edge at Extreme Rules in an I quit match. I'm not mad at the Finn versus Edge part. What I'm confused about is the I quit match stipulation. And the only reason why I'm confused by this is that for this to be an I quit match, I quit match usually like put in for like high intense situation whenever the rivalry's gotten too much and you just want to humiliate and embarrass your opponent. That's when you make them say I quit. Finn and Edge don't have that type of like relationship that Edge is like so pissed off at Finn to make him say I quit. The person that he has that type of business with is with Damien because Damien was the one that Edge like brought into the group. Literally at WrestleMania, Damien was the guy to help Edge beat uh, AJ Styles. So if that would have worked for a Damien versus Edge match, I would be like, okay, cool, it makes sense. But this, it doesn't make sense. But I'm not going to wrangle and like complain about it too much. We get Finn Balor versus Edge. So that's a good match I know we're going to have. And it also adds the intrigue of, is AJ going to side with the Judgment Day at Extreme Rules? Or is he going to still like be a loner and eat it? actually might help edge at extreme rules that's another added like bonus that we get for this match as well also extreme rules will be next saturday i keep on saying next sunday because i'm used to their pay-per-views being on sundays but it'll be next saturday so just want to correct that anyway that is your raw wrestling highlights of the week now on to nxt nxt will open up with Ilya dragunov coming down to the ring and Ilya will recall that the last time he was in nxt he beat a unbeatable champion Gunther and he ended up winning the NXT UK championship so Ilya is back here again to beat another unbeatable machine to win gold and he's talking about Braun Breaker. JD McDonnan would then come out and call Ilya a dirty little rat for following him here to NXT JD would get in the ring and tell Ilya that this is not Ilya's time this is his time JD makes it clear that if he has to handle Ilya he swears to God he will end Ilya's career. Braun Breaker will come out and he will congratulate Ilya from coming over here. And Braun would say that, I wonder what took you so long to get here. Because Braun kind of knows that the landscape of NXT is changing. And he would say, yeah, uh, this isn't the same NXT that you were around last time. This NXT has changed. And Braun will let it be known that this title isn't going anywhere. And then you see JD throw out the idea for Braun and Ilya to have a match and that he will face the winner for the NXT championship. And Braun wouldn't take heed to that. As a matter of fact, Braun would actually start doing some Steiner math to figure out an equation that could best fit everybody. So the way that I see it, if my math is correct, which it always is, you have a 33 and a third percent chance of winning. One, two, three. I say we make this match a triple. So at Halloween Havoc, we will have a triple threat match for the NXT Championship. It will be Ilya Dragunov going against Braun Breaker, going against JD McDonough. That should be a nice triple threat match. And the basic thing is that Ilya has never ever lost his championship. JD is the number one contender and Braun is just an unbelievable type champion. So it's going to be interesting to see who walks out the NXT Champion when that match happens. On to our first match of the night, Fallon Henley going against... Mandy Rose, who had toxic attraction in her corner. Mandy would win the match by pinfall when Mandy would hit Fallon with a bicycle knee to the face for the win. After the match, Mandy would get a mic and start taunting Alba Fire, saying that Alba is jealous of her because she was able to conquer two continents and Alba wasn't. Alba would show up on the screen and say that she doesn't take the verbal intimidation and she's more of a visual learner. Alba will hold up her bat which is on fire, and then place it towards the ground, leading to words being on fire that read and new. So 
this makes it point clear that Alba is going after Mandy for the NXT Women's Championship, and that's her goal. After this, we have our North American Championship qualifying matchup, where it'll be Wesley going against Tony D'Angelo, who has stacks in his corner. Wes would win the match by referee stoppage when Wes was in the corner of the ring. Tony would run towards him, and Wes would trip Tony into the second turnbuckle. The referee would go over to Tony and talk to him to make sure he's all right. And then you would see the referee had to talk to the announcer and have him declare that Wes is the winner of the match. Once it gets announced, we would see a replay of whenever Wes would trip Tony D'Angelo into the second turnbuckle. You would see that, like, Tony's right knee buckled and Tony's knee might not be all right. So that's when the referee had to stop it. So Wes advances to Halloween Havoc to be one of the five participants in the North American Championship ladder match. In the match so far, it is Wesley, Oro Mensa, and Carmelo Hayes. We'll be waiting on the other two competitors. Next week, we will be seeing Vog Wagner going against Andre Chase. And then after that, we still don't know who the last competitor could be for that North American Championship match. After this, we will have Omari Miller going against a debuting solo Rika or Ruka. Ruka would win the match by pinfall when she would have Omari on the mat and then hit a flipping leg drop onto Omari's back for the win. A solid match, but I can see that she's going to need more time on television to get herself together, and she's just going to need more time in the ring because when you get more time in the ring, you get to build up that experience. You get to build up to know how to wrestle in the ring, at least wrestle in front of the crowd and getting your craft mastered. So I'm not going to put a lot of criticism on Solo Ruka here. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that she's going to need more time in the ring to progress herself and get better herself. That's it. After this, we have Cameron Grimes going against Joe Gacy, who had the dyad in his corner. Joe Gacy would win the match by pinfall, thanks to the dyad for interfering. When Grimes had Gacy set up to hit the cave-in, Zach Gibson would get on the ring apron, and Cameron would deck him in the face. James Drake would get in the ring and be on his knees, like be a sacrificial lamb to Grimes, but the referee would try to get James Drake out of the ring. This would allow Joe Gacy to hit Grimes with a handspring clothesline, for the win, so Joe Gacy has a win over Cameron Grimes with the Diaz's help, and this pushes more into their storyline of Joe Gacy trying to recruit Cameron Grimes. Cameron keep on declining, so now Joe Gacy has to use stricter measures to try to get Cameron to force over into the Diaz's way of thinking. So we'll see how that continues next week on NXT. After this, we will have Nikita Alliance with Zoe Starks in her corner going against Caden Carter who had Katana Chance in her corner. So this is basically Challenger going against the champion for just bragging rights here. Nikita would win the match by pinfall when Nikita would trip Kaden off the top rope, then hit Kaden with a spinning head kick, then a jumping split for the win. So this gives Nikita and Zoe Stark some momentum whenever they want to challenge Kaden and Katana for the NXT Women Tag Team Championships down in the future. After this, we have Ilya Dragunov going against Zion Quinn. This match happened because earlier in the night, Ilya would be backstage. Zion Quinn walks up to Ilya and says that Ilya doesn't have the it factor. He has the it factor and that Ilya was given the ball to run with over there at NXT UK to become champion. And nobody has given him the ball. And if he would have, he would have carried it longer and farther than Ilya did. Basically saying that Ilya was injury prone while Zion isn't. So this is the reason why we have this match here and Ilya would win the match by pinfall when Ilya would hit Zion Quinn with a running torpedo headbutt for the win. I don't like that Zion Quinn is kind of like the guy for every like newer person to like have to have a match with him on NXT. I don't get it. Is he supposed to be the gatekeeper of NXT? I'm not understanding. He did it with Apollo. He did it with Nathan Frazier. He did that with Wesley. He's doing it now with Ilya. I just don't understand what we're doing with Zion Quinn. It just seems that we're trying to find him something to do when you don't have nothing for him. I mean, if that's the case, sure. Let that be the thing. We don't want to see people getting released from their jobs here. But I'm just saying, Zion Quinn isn't the guy I will put as the gatekeeper of NXT. That's just my personal thought process to it. After this, we will have Damon Kemp going against Brutus Creed. 
Brutus Creed would win the match by disqualification when Brutus would pounce Damon out of the ring. Damon would get to his feet. He would be so upset that he'd start going for a chair. Brutus would leave the ring and go after Damon. Damon would hit Brutus in the stomach with the chair and start laying Brutus back out with the chair multiple times. And then the referee would see it, call for the bell. That's why we get disqualification here. Damon would then get Brutus into the ring and then continue to hit him multiple times in the back with a chair until multiple people from the back come out to stop Damon. Damon would throw the chair down. He's so upset that he walks over to the camera in the corner and starts calling out Julius, saying that if you want some, come get some. So this is setting up more or less for Damon to go against Julius Creed later into the future for NXT. Not right now. It wasn't promoted for next week on NXT, so we'll have to see when that it's... uh gets acknowledged and whenever they do make the match official between both of them. Now it's time for the main event of NXT, a pub rules match. Gallus is Wolfgang and Mark Coffey going against Briggs and Jensen. Briggs and Jensen would win the match by pinfall when they would hit their tag finish a high low clothesline onto Mark Coffey who had a trash can on him. Like Mark Coffey's top half was inside the trash can so they connected uh on the trash can to beat Mark Coffey, pin him for one, two, three. Uh, Wolfgang was taken out already. He got sent through a table that was in the corner of the ring when he came in running after uh, Brooks and Jensen, but they moved out of the way and they just threw him into the table. Joe Coffey would come down to the ring. He would try to get on the ring apron, try to do something, but Brooks and uh, Briggs would kick Joe Coffey off the ring apron and send him through a table. And that's whenever they were able to finish off Mark Coffey. This was a, Solid, like, hardcore, like, no rules match, no holds barred rules match up here because usually it's a simple no holds barred match, but when it comes down to these gimmicky type matches that changes the names of no holds barred to a uh, something type of creation, whether it be a, like, this pub rules match or a Viking uh, rules match, the one that Viking Raiders had with the New Day or whatever other type of creation you want is basically no holds bar with something that is equipped to the name of whatever they want to remix and for this one it was bar rules well not bar rules but it was uh themed bar so you had glass uh beer mugs empty beer mugs and glass cups around like one corner of the ring you had barrels he out here. I mean, they were just there for decorations. I mean, at one point you saw Briggs and Jensen grab like an empty glass mug and like smash it over the head of Wolfgang and Mark Coffey. Still no blood because it's WWE here. They try to really not use blood as much as they can unless it happens to cut open somebody by accident. And then you see the blood comes out and then you see the referee put gloves on. But none of that happened here. The most brutal thing that happened literally in this match was the whipping in this match where you saw all four men basically hit each other with their belts. It started with Wolfgang and Mark hitting Briggs and Jensen with their belts. And you saw welts on Briggs and and Jensen's backs. And then when it was time for them to hit Mark and Wolfgang's, they were able to hit them with the belts, but I don't think they left any type of like welts that you could see on their backs. But that was all for the pub rules match. I mean, it was straight. I mean, after the match was done with, you saw, Gallus like get arrested because they attacked security earlier in the night so we don't know if this will be the last time you see Gallus here but I do know they put a pin in their rivalry with Briggs and Jensen so we'll have to see what happens next week on NXT but that is your NXT wrestling highlights of the week now before I get into AEW Dynamite um I have to make a correction on something that I said a couple weeks ago about Malachi Black last couple weeks I said that Malachi Black got his release, there was reports saying that he wanted his release from AEW, and Tony Khan released him, that is not the case, because Malachi Black, Aleister Black, Tommy End, however you want to know the man as, his monikers, he went on Instagram Live this Tuesday, I believe, and he let everybody know that he is still with AEW, he is still there, he just has to take some time for himself, and that he doesn't know why wrestling journalists said that he was released, why he asked for his release. He doesn't understand that. And he made it perfectly known that if they can't get a simple thing as knowing when my contract is up, how do you guys think that they're going to know personal intimate details of anything? 
he just wanted to let everybody know that you need to stop believing these wrestling journalists out here. And until I say something, don't believe nothing. So I'm going to put this now on record for me. And I'm going to hold myself to this. Unless a professional wrestler says something, and unless it is about a storyline or something that's cryptic on the television show itself, I cannot say anything about a wrestler's personal life. I won't do it because you know what? That right there was something because Malachi Black went into more personal details. He talked about how right now he should be focusing on his mental health, but he has people online constantly like messaging him death threats. And he was even had to reiterate that by saying death threats because the sheer thought of him leaving AEW to go back to WWE, that whole thing, he doesn't like the whole tribalism there as well. He doesn't like that. That's what he's about. So again, for me, I'm going to hold myself to this. I'm going to hold myself. I can't expect any other wrestling like podcast to do it. I'm just going to hold myself. Unless it's about the particular wrestling storyline, the television show, I can't say nothing. Or I won't be saying anything unless it has been coming out to be confirmed. That's the only way I will say anything about a certain issue. So again, I apologize to Malachi Black. I don't know if he heard this. I don't know if he's heard anything else from other people. He probably has, but you don't know with certain individuals if they, what they hear. So if you happen to hear me say something, I don't want me to be one of those people to say that I never apologize for something. I do whenever I feel is necessary. And this right here is necessary. So again, I apologize to Mr. Malachi Black for stating and spreading the false information that you did get your release from AEW. So I apologize for that. Now, off to AEW Dynamite. Dynamite will open up with Chris Jericho and his Jericho Appreciation Society coming out for his Ring of Honor Championship celebration. They all come out in purple lavender suits, and they come out to celebrate Jericho becoming ROH champion. In the middle of the ring, there's purple rug. They have a table with Jericho Appreciation Society, like New York pizza there, and even have the uh, wrestler Luigi, Luigi Primo. Yeah, that's the guy that was on... AEW a couple of weeks ago and he got punk kicked in the face by Ethan Page so he's back here again uh Jericho will say that he is the most viewed Ring of Honor champion in history and Jericho states that he is going to reshape how people view Ring of Honor and they will view it as Ring of Jericho Jericho will then turn his attention to Daniel Garcia Jericho will put over how great Daniel Garcia as pure champion Jericho would say that he has a gift for Daniel Garcia and when he hands Garcia the box inside that box is a purple bucket hat Jericho will put the purple bucket hat on Garcia's head, and Garcia isn't feeling it. He takes the hat off of his head. He throws it on the ground. He even goes over to Luigi Primo, and he punches him in the face. Garcia says this isn't what he envisioned himself doing when he entered the wrestling business. Garcia would tell Jericho that he wanted to say something to Jericho for a while now, but before he could actually say what was on his mind, Jericho would put his hand over Garcia's mic and lower it down. Jericho would tell Garcia that he needs to be careful what he's going to say because he could make a wrong decision what's about to come out of his mouth. So Jericho would tell Garcia he needs to choose. Is he going to be a sports entertainer or a pro wrestler? So now we're back at this exact same situation again. Brian Danielson will come out and he would come to the ring. Brian will tell Garcia that he could stay with Jericho or he can come with him. He could train with the Jericho Appreciation Society or he could train with the Blackpool Combat Club. Jericho would get so frustrated that he would yell at Brian that he is tired of him trying to poach Daniel Garcia away from him. He would say that Garcia doesn't belong to Brian. He belongs to Jericho and that he does what Jericho tells him to do. Garcia would quickly yank the mic out of Jericho's hands and tell him that he doesn't belong to Jericho. He doesn't belong to anyone. He does what he wants. And Garcia would throw out the challenge that why not it would be Garcia and Brian going against Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. Matt Menard of 2.0 would tell Garcia that he is tired of Garcia's crap. It was 2.0 for the last year that has had Garcia's back, and now he wants to turn his back on him and spit in his face. Matt would tell Brian that he should punch Brian in his mouth. Brian would say that he got word that he could have a match with anybody, and he wants to have a match right now, so why don't we do it? So we would get to the match of Brian Danielson going against Matt Menard. Brian Danielson would win the match by submission when he would hit the Busico knee, which is basically the yes knee, and then lock in the label lock for the win. After this, we would then have Willie Yuta coming down to the ring, and he's out here to call out MJF. Yuta would say that he has a problem with MJF, not because he beat him up last week, because he's been 
beat up by harder and tougher men, but because of the fact that he put his hands on Tony Schiavone last week, and that is something he can't let slide. Yuta will say that MGF isn't going to come out here because he has the firm behind him and he likes to hide behind the mic. MGF would come out and he would start ragging on Tony Schiavone. MGF would give it to Yuta and mention that they have a history with each other on the indies and say that Yuta is one of the best wrestlers in the world today. But that's where the nice words would end. MGF would rag on the fact that last week Yuta made the mistake of wanting to joust with him on the mic and MGF had to spank him a little bit. MGF would then slam the Philly crowd. Yuta would tell MGF to shut up and tell him that they're in Philly and bad things happen in Philly. So Yuta would leave the ring and start walking towards MGF. Then you would see Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn come out and they stand right next to MGF. MGF feels secure, so he lets Yuta know that he's not fighting him tonight. He'll fight him next week. And he's going to be sitting in the skybox and watching Moxley wrestle tonight because he might cash in his chip on Moxley. So MGF will leave. He would give the gun club the mic and he would tell the gun club to hit his slogan. The gun club would do that. So that's the end of this segment. You know what? A lot of people said that Yuta did not do well on the mic. Yuta is not a talker on the mic. And for him to have be able to talk the way that he was able to do this week on Dynamite, I actually liked it. Yes, he has to be tweaked out a little bit on the mic, but with more time to be on the mic and say more things and more opportunity to actually say something, trust me, I guarantee you, Yuta will be able to become one of the better micsmanship or people on the mic in some time. Believe me, it's going to happen. Uh, after this, it's time for John Moxley to go against Juice Robinson. Moxley would win the match by submission when Mox would lock in a cross arm breaker on Juice for the win. It was known that this is Juice Robinson's like audition, if you will, because Juice Robinson is a free agent from New Japan. Hey, I'm just going to let that go. I have no idea. Whenever it gets confirmed, that's all I'm going to say on that. I have no idea. But it was announced on commentary that Juice Robinson is a free agent. So we might see Juice around in AEW more, or we might not. Who knows? Uh, after the match, Hangman will come to the ring and get in the face of Mox. Hangman will empty his back pockets, and it seems that Mox and Paige are about to fight, but MGF being in the skybox, he would interrupt, and he would say that these two morons aren't fighting for the championship. They are fighting for who is going to lose to him. He mentions that when they have their match, he might cash in his championship chip to win the AEW World Championship. While MGF is doing all this talking, he wouldn't notice that Wheeler Yuta is behind him until he stops and he looks at the screen up and then he just stands there frozen. Yuta would turn MGF around. He would punch MGF in the face and start punching on him. Yuta would continue to pound on MGF until AEW security would get Yuta off of him. So that's the end of this. And again, this is building more momentum into Wheeler Yuta and MGF's match next week on Dynamite. There anniversary episode after this we will have sir Rhea. yes that's the way to pronounce Paige's actual name sir Rhea. and she comes out to the ring she says that she is back she mentions that it feels good to be back in the ring she says that she will create change in the women's division and she states that she is the revolution Soraya will call the women to the ring it will be tony storm athena willow nightingale madison rain and sky blue will come down to the ring Soraya would say that it is an honor to be in the ring with Tony and the ladies. Then you would see Britt Baker, Rebel, Jamie Hader, and Penelope Ford come out. Britt would say that Soraya is another new shiny toy, and we have seen them come and go in AEW. Britt would even throw a jab at Soraya for saying that unlike Soraya, Britt's neck is strong enough to lift this division. Britt would even make a comment about how people don't even know how to say Soraya's name. Uh, Soraya would make a nice jab back at Britt by saying that that's funny coming from you from a person whose name rhymes with crap and she actually says the S word but they bleep it out on television uh, Soraya says that since the ladies like to get involved with people's matches she talked to Tony Khan and that they have made it official that Tony Storm and Serena's deeds match tonight for the AEW Women's Interim Championship will be in a lumberjack match so that match happens right now Tony going against Serena Deed. Tony would win the match by pinfall when Tony would hit an avalanche storm zero, which is a pile driver for the win. My biggest question is, 
with Willow Nightingale being out here, and I know I got to say this every time, I'm going to, Willow Nightingale should be signed to some major company. She is too much of a infectious smile, happy-go-lucky character wrestler for her not to be on somebody's television screen, for her not to be signed. I don't get it. If Tony Khan don't snag Willow Nightingale up because he snags up a lot of other people, you have a woman's division that needs revamping, dog. You need to sign Willow Nightingale and put her on your roster before WWE really sends her a contract. And that's all I'm going to say, literally. Tony, if you don't have Willow Nightingale on your contract, on your roster, please sign her. It's needed. Uh, after this, we will have Ricky Starks going against Eli Isom. Ricky would win the match in quick fashion when he would hit Eli with a spear, then a Rochambeau for the win. So Ricky is racking up another win in the win column. Now it's time for the main event of Dynamite for the Ring of Honor Championship. It is Chris Jericho defending the title against Bandito. Jericho would win the match by submission when he would lock in the Lion Tamer on Bandito and Bandito would tap out. This was a nice showing for Bandito. For anybody that does not know who Bandito was, I promise you, turn to Dynamite. I don't care what type of device you have, whether it's uh, DirecTV, uh, Spectrum, I don't care. Find it on YouTube. Find it somewhere. Watch Bandito go against Jericho, and you will see that Bandito is another wrestler that needs to be signed. And again, Tony, sign Bandito. I understand that some people you might not want to sign, but Bandito is a person that you need to sign. If not, I don't know what you're doing. Bandito is a guy that needs to be signed. You saw the match that he was able to have with Jericho. For love of God, he was able to hold up Chris Jericho literally for a minute in a standing, stalling suplex. A stalling suplex, holding Jericho up. I'm just saying, and then he was able to do his uh, moves on Jericho, and he was actually able to bleed, and this is the first time I've ever seen Bandito bleed, and it came like through the mask. That's an awesome visual. So again, you need to have Bandito on your roster, man. Get Bandito on your roster. And plus, I'm selfish in this. I want to see Bandito go against uh, Claudio Castagnoli. That's what I want. I want Bandito going against Claudio, so I might be selfish in saying sign Bandito, but I don't care. Bandito is a phenomenal wrestler. He needs to be signed. Now, uh, after the match, Jericho would have the ring announcer come in the ring and announce him as the winner. Jericho would say that he is going to desecrate on Ring of Honor by beating all of the Ring of Honor champions, and it starts with Brian Danielson on October 12th. He would say that he is also going to beat up on Ring of Honor commentators, and the ring announcers, and then he returned to the ring announcer and hit him with the Judas effect, and that's how Dynamite ends, with Jericho holding up the Ring of Honor championship, so Jericho's on a mission to basically discredit Ring of Honor and everything that's ever, anybody that's ever had anything to do with Ring of Honor, so former world champions, and that's going to be a funny thing for me, because if we're going to go down that line, he's got to go against Brian Danielson, he's got to go against Samoa Joe, uh, if we can bring Loki in, he got to go against Loki. Uh, if we can bring Homicide in, he got to go against Homicide. And the boogeyman himself, if you don't want to say his name, because he might be still suspended, CM Punk. I don't know nothing. I'm just saying, you are going to have a big asterisk on Jericho's mission statement if he does not wrestle against CM Punk for the Ring of Honor Championship. That's all I'm saying. So... It's going to be funny and nice to see how they work this whole desecrating on Ring of Honor's name with Jericho because Jericho is a phenomenal uh, caricature and a phenomenal wrestler. So it's going to be fun to see how he uh, flips this character and his repertoire, especially with Ring of Honor and past Ring of Honor champions. But it's going to be fun. And that is your Ring of Honor. Oh, I'm sorry. Your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling had a pay-per-view last Friday called Victory Roads. I'm about to read out the results from that before I get into their television show that happened Thursday. On Victory Roads, the X-Division Championship matchup between Mike Bailey and Delirious. Mike Bailey would retain his X-Division Championship with Motor City Machine Guns going against PCO and Vincent. The Motor City Machine Guns would win that match with Mickey James going against Giselle Shaw. Mickey James would win that matchup. And the Triple Threat a revolver matchup to decide who's going to be the number one contender to face Mike Bailey at Bound for Glory. You have Frankie Kazarian winning that matchup. So Frankie Kazarian will be going against Mike Bailey at Bound for Glory for the X Division Championship matchup. So it's again, just like last year's Bound for Glory, an AEW contracted superstar will be going over to Impact to fight 
for a championship, but not fight. This year will be fighting. Last year was Christian Cage defending the Impact Championship. So you still get the drift. AEW versus Impact at Bound for Glory. Um, you have Bobby Fish show up on Impact Wrestling, and he's here, and he's going to be at Bound for Glory to be in the uh, gauntlet. Well, not the gauntlet, Battle Royale, and it's basically the winner of the Battle Royale will be able to cash in a shot at any Impact Championship gold at any time of their own choosing at Bound for Glory, so that's where he's in Impact. Uh, you have Honor No More's Eddie Edwards and Matt Taven and Mike Bennett going against Josh Alexander. Heath and Rich Swan. The winners of the match will be Honor No More when Eddie Edwards would pin Josh Alexander. And Eddie Edwards would become the first person to pin Josh Alexander in almost a whole full calendar year. The last time Josh was pinned was whenever Moose beat him at Battle for Glory last year to win the Impact World Championship. Um, we would have Jordan Grace going against Max the Impaler. This was Jordan Grace's uh, match for Masha to pick Jordan's opponent. Jordan Grace would win the matchup by pinfall. After the match, Jordan Grace would announce that Masha Slamovich will be going against Ali Catch on Impact Wrestling in a Monsters Ball. And in the main event of Victory Road, you will have Sammy Callahan going against Moose, going against Steve Macklin, and Bob Wire Massacre. And Steve Macklin would win that matchup. So that's telling you that they're trying to do something with Steve Macklin. And I don't know if they're going to finally pull that trigger on Steve, but we'll just have to see when Bound for Glory uh, makes his way. Now, on to the results of Thursday's Impact Wrestling Show. Ace Austin and Chris Bay, with Juice Robinson in their corner, went against Trey Miguel and Laredo Kid. Ace Austin would get the win for his team by pinfall, when Ace Austin would launch Chris Bay into Trey Miguel so he could hit the Art of Finesse, and then Ace would hit the fold on Trey and then cover him for the pinfall. After this, we had the Digital Media Championship matchup between Crazy Steve and Brian Myers. Brian Myers would win the match by pinfall, when Crazy Steve was on the top turnbuckle, Brian Myers would hold the referee, making sure Crazy Steve couldn't attack him, so Crazy Steve would have to get off the turnbuckle. Myers would then move the referee out of the way, poke, well, eye poke Crazy Steve in the eye, and then hit him with the roster cut, which is a clothesline for the win. After the match, Brian Myers would get a microphone and state that things are getting too easy and that he wants competition. He would issue an open challenge at Bound for Glory for anybody to face him for the Digital Media Championship. So that's something that we have to wait to see at Bound for Glory to who will be accepting that open challenge. After this, we had Delirious going against Black Taurus. Black Taurus would win the match by pinfall when he would hit Destination Hellhole for the win. Then we had Otto No More coming out to the ring to celebrate their win at Victory Road. Eddie Edwards will be out here to say that at Victory Road, Otto No More proved that they can get the job done. If there was any doubt of what they're capable of, that night they proved it. Eddie would turn his attention to PCO and get at him for losing his matchup against the Motor City Machine Guns at Victory Road. Eddie would tell PCO that he needs to listen to him and stop trying to step up when he isn't supposed to. Vincent would put a black bag over PCO's head and take him out of the ring. Matt Taven would get the mic and start talking about how ever since No Surrender, Impact has made their life miserable and unbearable Taven will say that impact did it because they were not impact guys they were not impacts creation Taven will lift up the tag team championships in the air and say that it doesn't matter because they have the tag titles and that bound for glory eddie edwards will have the impact world championship and honor no more will have all the gold maria would then show a video package of eddie edwards just hitting josh alexander with a diehard driver over and over and over again the same move that he finished josh alexander with at victory road Eddie Edwards would say that he is fighting for a righteous cause, saying that the war between Honor No More and Impact is uh, catastrophic and he just wants to win that world title to set everything right. Josh Alexander will come out and he says that Eddie is spewing out crap because he isn't fighting for a cause, he's fighting for job security. So now you got Eddie Edwards and Josh Alexander just talking towards back and forth with each other to the point that Eddie says, it's just you up there by yourself while I have my family in the ring with me. If you feel that way, why don't you come down to the ring and take on all of us? So, Josh would do that. He would take off his championship, walk towards the ring. He would be able to take on Kenny King, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett. Josh would then try to get at Eddie Edwards, but he couldn't get to him because Taven, Bennett, and King would ground and pound on, on Josh Alexander, and then Eddie would join in. So, that was a 4-1 beatdown until Rich Swan comes out to try to even it up. Still outnumbered. Heath will come out. It's still outnumbered. 
Then you have the Motor City Machine Guns coming out. Then you have Vincent and PCO come out. So now you have all these guys battling it out until the ring is emptied out with the exception of Josh Alexander and Eddie Edwards. They will come face to face. Josh is stating that he wants to fight Eddie right now. Eddie would slide out of the ring and say, it's on my time. So then we would get to the match of Heath and Rich Swan going against Vincent and PCO. Rich would win the match for his team by pinfall when he would hit the Phoenix Splash on Vincent for the win. Solid tag match. Again, this is just building momentum for Impact. Team Impact going against Honor No More going into Bound for Glory. Then when we get into our main event of Impact, Monster Ball match, Masha Slamovich going against Ali Catch. Masha would win the match by pinfall when Masha would slam Ali with the snowplow into thumbtacks and cut in half soda cans for the win. Now, you might say to yourself, half cut soda cans? Yes. If you ever have ever punctured your finger on a soda can that was like bent in sharp edges, you know that hurts. So you only can imagine how it feels to be slammed onto soda cans that were literally cut in half. So you didn't see the back of Ali like getting cut up or anything, but you can kind of guess that it kind of hurt. But both ladies in this match, they bled. Uh, both of them like bleeded from their foreheads and their head, but not too much. It was light bleeding, not like heavy like the guys would be doing. But these women still got hardcore. They slammed each other through thumbtacks. They used chains. They slammed each other through doors. I mean, they were just giving it up in this Monster Ball match, which you should because Monster Ball is just nothing but another uh, name for no holds barred, anything goes. So I'm glad that the ladies were able to do what they were supposed to do in the Monster's Ball. They were actually able to not be uh, prissy and dainty. They were able to get the job done, which is supposed to do in the Monster's Ball. So I like to see that. If you need to see the match, I will suggest you to see it. It should be either on Impact's YouTube page or you should find it somewhere on YouTube. Trust me, somebody got it. But that is your Impact Wrestling Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with a tag team matchup of Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa going against Madcap Moss and Ricochet. Solo would get the win for his team by pinfall when Madcap Moss would be running his shoulder into Sami Zayn in the corner. Solo would tag himself in and when Moss would run towards Sami again, Solo would hit him with a spinning heel kick. And then finish them off with a spinning Uranage, which they are now calling the spinning Solo. So, Solo would win the match after that. After that, you would see Solo and Sammy in the ring. And Sammy will go over to Madcap Moss, get in his face, and start talking smack. Madcap will grab Sammy by the beard. This will grab Solo's attention. And then Solo will start beating up on Moss to the point that he puts him into the bottom turnbuckle. And it runs over and hits him with a hip attack. Not once, but twice. Sami Zayn would try to stop Solo the first time, but he would do it again the second time. And this shows you that Solo Sokoa is really the enforcer. He's really just that guy for the bloodline. Uh, after this, we would go backstage and we would see Sami Zayn and Solo walking towards the bloodline's locker room. And once they knock on the door, Jay Uso pops out. And Sami looks shocked to see Jay Uso here. He asks him, what are you doing here? Jay would tell Sammy that he was here to check on his little brother to make sure he's all good. And then you see Solo go inside the locker room. And then you would see Sammy and Jay have this little exchange outside of the locker room. Hey, I see right through you. You got everybody and their mama out here fooled, including my family. But I see right through you, Sammy Zane. It's your warning shot. If you even think about putting the family in jeopardy, I will get you. I, right. you know, maybe... Maybe you should take it up with Roman. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to get in our locker room. As you just heard from the audio clip, Jay is starting to get more and more agitated with Sammy, and Sammy is now starting to pull rank on Jay. Now, if Sammy starts having any more problems with Jay, I can see him going over and trying to snitch on Jay to Roman, and that's going to be a problem. And Jay's going to really just start trying to bug out on Sammy, like beat him up. I can see it happening, and then Roman's going to be the guy pulling jay off of sammy and i'm going to watch this storyline unfold because right now the bloodline with sammy is literally the best thing going on wwe television right now so i'm going to see how that stuff happens because roman's supposed to be on smackdown next week so it's going to be interesting to see how the bloodline as a whole unit uh deals with this especially with i guarantee you they're going to at least mention how roman saw this so it's going to be interesting how this uh story continues to unfold.
After this, we will have Drew McIntyre going against Austin Theory, who had the Alpha Academy in his corner. This will end in a disqualification when Alpha Academy would get on the ring apron. Well, Gable would get on the ring apron, and Drew would grab Gable and then toss him into the ring. Otis would grab Drew by the leg and then bring him outside of the ring and throw him into the ring steps. That will have the referee call for the bell. Otis would then throw Drew back into the ring, and now you have the Alpha Academy and Theory stomp out on Drew until Johnny Gargano would come out and try to make a save. The numbers are still in the Alpha and Theory's favor until Kevin Owens comes out to the ring. They will send Theory and Gabe out of the ring. Gargano and Kevin Owens will then superkick Otis, and then you will see Drew McIntyre give Otis a Glasgow kiss, which is a headbutt, sending Otis outside of the ring, and this was set up for the main event of SmackDown, six-man tag, with the Alpha Academy and Theory going against Drew McIntyre, Johnny Gargano, and Kevin Owens. After this, we have Los Lotharios going against Hit Row's Top Dalla and Ashanti the Adonis with B-Fab in their corner. Hit Row would win the match by pinfall when Hit Row would hit the heavy hitter, which is a back suplex and dropkick combo on Humberto for the win. After this, we would have Ronda Rousey going against Natalia. Ronda would win the match by submission, which she would lock in the ankle lock for the win. After the match, you would see Liv Morgan come down to the ring with a baseball bat. Ronda would meet her at the uh, entrance ramp, and they would have a stare down with each other before Liv swings the bat at Ronda's direction. Ronda would kick Liv in the stomach. Liv would be able to hit Ronda in the stomach with the head of the bat, and now this would lead to a brawl between both of these ladies outside of the ring. Ronda will grab the bat, and now you have a uh, tug-of-war between both of the ladies with the bat, and Ronda will eventually toss Liv into the ring announcer's uh, area, and then you will see Ronda holding the bat. You see security and backstage officials come down to the ring, try to tell Ronda to put the bat down and walk away and all that. Ronda does this. Ronda will start walking away. Liv would pop up from the area and then run over and jump on the back of Ronda. And now you have both of these ladies continue to still battle it out with each other. And again, you still have backstage officials to separate both of these ladies. This is trying to show off a new uh, side of Liv Morgan, this side of aggression, the side that has no fear because she has to go against Ronda in an Extreme Rules match next Saturday at Extreme Rules. So that's what they're trying to build up for Liv to have that killer instinct. Next up, we will have Imperium coming out to the ring. Imperium will say that the existence of the Brawling Brutes is insulting to them. Gunther will go into talk about his match with Sheamus next Friday on SmackDown for the Intercontinental Championship. And this will lead to Sheamus coming out here. Sheamus is out here by himself. And Sheamus does mention that Butch and Ridge Holland are in Florida. And as you people do know, Florida got hit with the hurricane. So more or less, they were trying to take care of their family and their household uh, materials down there. Uh, Sheamus would say that he is more than willing to kick the heads off their heads right now. And he's talking about Imperium. So then you see Giovanni, Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser leave the ring and start running up to Sheamus. Sheamus will pull out his shillelagh from his back pocket and hit both of them. Sheamus would then get in the ring and then he will look at Gunther. Gunther would say that it's just them two now. And he wants Sheamus to toss the shillelagh out of the ring. Sheamus would do this. And now you see Sheamus and Gunther now just exchanging shots. They will punch each other, but Sheamus will get the better of the exchange, sending Gunther to the mat. Sheamus will be waiting for Gunther to get up to hit him with a pro kick, but Giovanni and Ludwig would grab Sheamus in the corner and hold him, and this will allow Gunther to big boot Sheamus in the face and chop him multiple times. Gunther would then grab Sheamus and powerbomb him, and then Imperium will leave the ring. Sheamus will get a mic and say, is that all you got? And this will lead to Imperium getting back in the ring. Gunther would grab the shillelagh. You will see Giovanni and Ludwig hold Sheamus as Gunther would hit Sheamus with the shillelagh. And this will finally lay out Sheamus. So again, we're building up Sheamus and Gunther's match next Friday for the Intercontinental Championship. And also, this is their rematch from Clash of the Castle. Everybody's going to be wanting to see the match because their Clash of the Castle match was a great one. It was just nothing but two guys just straight up just beating the crap out of each other. So we're hoping to get that next Friday on SmackDown. Uh, after this, we will have Bailey going against Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi would lose the match to Bailey when Bailey would hit her with the Rose Plant, and that's how Bailey would get the win. After the match, Bailey would hit 
Shotzi with another rose plant. Then leave the ring to grab a ladder. Bailey will bring the ladder into the ring and then put Shotzi inside the ladder. Bailey will start climbing the turnbuckle looking to do something, but before she could, Bianca Belair would run down to the ring and make the save. Bianca would get Shotzi out of the ladder and out of the ring, and then you see Bailey attack Bianca from behind. Bailey would try to hit Bianca with the rose plant, but Bianca would get Bailey in the KOD and try to hit her with it, but Bailey would get out of the KOD and get out of the ring. So again, we're building up more and more momentum for next Saturday's extreme rules between Bianca and Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship in a ladder match. Now it's time for the main event of SmackDown. Six man tag. Theory and Alpha Academy going against Kevin Owens, Johnny Gargano, and Drew McIntyre. Drew would win the match for his team by pitfall when Kevin Owens would hit the stunner on Chad Gable on the commentary table. Johnny Gargano would hit the Tornado DDT on Otis outside of the ring. And then Drew McIntyre would hit Theory with a Claymore kick, and that's how you get the win here. After the match, Drew would hit Theory in the back with the strap that he brought to the ring. So he could demonstrate to Karrion Cross the type of punishment he's going to give to him next Saturday at Extreme Rules. And that's how SmackDown will end. And that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to AEW Rampage. It will open up with a triple threat for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Private Party going against Butcher and the Blade. Going against the champs, The Acclaimed. The Acclaimed would win the match by pinfall when Bones would hit Blade with a spinning slam. And then Max Caster would finish him off with a mic drop for the win. So next Dynamite's episode, well, the anniversary of AEW Dynamite, the Acclaim will be going in as tag champions. And apparently that's going to be National Scissors Day for the Acclaim. So we'll try, we'll see what type of uh, celebration the Acclaim will have next week on Dynamite. Uh, after this, we have Lee Moriarty with Stokely Hathaway and W. Morrissey in his corner going against Fuego Del Sol. Moriarty would win the match by submission when Moriarty would lock in the Border City Stretch, or better known as the Gargano Escape for certain individuals, and that's how Moriarty would win the match. After the match, W. Morrissey would get in the ring and chokeslam Fuego. After this, we would have Willow Nightingale going against Jamie Hayter with Britt Baker and Rebel in her corner. Jamie would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from Britt Baker. When Willow Nightingale was on the second turnbuckle, and the referee was looking at Jamie to see if she was okay, Britt would grab Willow's leg. This would lead to Jamie grabbing Willow and hitting her with a German suplex, then the Rainmaker for the win. Again, I'm going to constantly say this. AEW uses Willow Nightingale a lot, and for her not to have a contract is still weird to me. AEW, throw Willow Nightingale a contract, for the love of God. Uh, after this, we have Ryan Nemeth come out, and he will start trash-talking the fans of Philly. He would call ECW extremely crappy wrestling, leading to Hook to come out. Hook would handle Ryan easily. I mean, he would come in the ring, uh, clothesline him, beat up on him a little bit, and then lock in the red room, all the while while his entrance music was playing, a.k.a. pay homage to New Jack, an ECW original. Uh, after this, we would see Arya Davari, Sonny Kiss, and VSK on the entrance stage, and VSK is dressed like a butler, and he's holding a silver platter with a note that has Hook's name on it. VSK will put the platter down, and as Hook's walking up the ramp, he sees it, grabs the note, and then leave. Now it's time for the main event of Rampage. Roosh with Andrade and Jose in his corner going against John Silver, who had Alex Reynolds in his corner. Roosh would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the bull's horn on John Silver for the win. After the match, Alex Reynolds will come in and check on Silver, and then you see Roosh, Andrade, and Jose attack Silver and Reynolds. This will lead to number 10 and Evil Uno to come out to even the numbers until Butcher and Blade will come out. This will lead to Hangman Page coming out. You will see Andrade, Butcher, and Blade try to stop Hangman, but Hangman will push past them. Hangman will get in the ring, and then he would just look at Roosh, and now you got both men traded shots here. Page would try to look to hit the buckshot lariat, but Roosh would slide out of the ring, and then Hangman still hits the buckshot lariat, but he hits it on Jose, and that's how Rampage ends, with Hangman standing on top. Uh, a couple things to note here. On Rampage, we did get a match set up for next week. It will be Andrade going against number 10, and the stipulation for the match is 
If Andrade wins, he gets number 10's mask. But if number 10 wins, Andrade has to leave AEW. So that's going to be interesting for Rampage next week. But in the end, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I got to touch a couple things. Uh, one, on SmackDown, they would announce that New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling's uh, founder, Antonio Noki had passed away. He passed away at the age of 79. Yahoo Japan will report that Inoki was battling health issues in the recent years. So, Antonio Noki has passed away. And again, he was the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he also helped train guys like uh, the first Tiger Mask, uh, the Great Muda, Shinsuke Nakamura, Rocky Romero, and other like major names in Japan. So, uh, without Antonio Noki... Tony Inoki, uh, there would be no New Japan. There would be no, uh, I don't think there would be no Kenny Omega, no Young Bucks, no AEW, because again, without New Japan, you wouldn't get Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. You wouldn't get uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi going against um, Jericho, going against Omega, going against Okada. Okada even having his whole run. Without New Japan, there is no like foreign talent getting a nice run in Japan before they either go off to WWE or they make their names over in America. So that's the reason why Antonio Noki is such a big name, if not for anything, for that alone. So I want to say rest in peace to Antonio Noki for that. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is John Cena. I did not mention this last week. I poor timing, uh, but I'm going to mention it now. John Cena does break a Guinness World Record, and he gets inside the Guinness World Record uh, by setting a Make-A-Wish record after granting hundreds of wishes. John Cena has granted 650 Make-A-Wishes for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So that is straight up 650 kids that he had to visit that probably aren't living some of them are but some of them probably aren't that's what make a wish is for people that don't know it's basically kids having one last wish before something happens to them so um john cena has granted 650 of them i just want to know about john cena's uh well-being personally because for you to be the hero for all these children that want to see you before they go before they like leave this earth that has to play with your psyche, that has to play with your mental mind frame and your mental, like, that has to play with you. So I would like to know how John Cena is dealing with that himself. But again, congratulations to John Cena for the uh, Guinness Book of World Record being in that for that, because that is a good cause. And again, if you are going to be in WWE, I think the Make-A-Wish Foundation is probably the biggest higher like, the biggest honor that you could get besides, like, winning a championship, if I'm going to be honest. Because if for you to be a kid's, like, for you to be a kid's um, wish to see before they leave this planet, that is a high honor. And I don't take that lightly when I hear somebody wanting to make a wish. And I guarantee you, people that are in these Make-A-Wish Foundation, in these programs that are chosen for them... I guarantee you they don't take that lightly either. So, again, congratulations to John Cena for doing that. Congratulations for John Cena to be uh, the leader of the Make-A-Wish situation. And, again, if you are a wrestler, uh, you want to hold yourself to a high level that kids will want to see you. So, John Cena has proven that over and over for the almost two decades. So, again, congratulations to John. Um, one last thing. WWE has something going on right now, which I don't know what they're leading up to, but it's something that they've been doing for a nice good couple of weeks now. It's been this white rabbit theory here. It's like they have QR codes that you have to scan and they'll play some type of cryptic message. And it's all about basically somebody's basically going to be coming to WWE. That's all these type of things are basically leading up to. People are saying it's Bray Wyatt. And I can see how, because Bray Wyatt is the only guy in WWE, like, in recent history to have, like, cryptic messages that people actually pay attention to. And this is right up his alley. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to YouTube and just type in WWE White Rabbit, and you'll understand, and you'll see everything what I'm talking about here. So if Bray Wyatt does come back to WWE, it's going to be a great thing because he's missed. I'm not going to front with you. 
Bray Wyatt is missed in the WWE space. He's missed in the pro wrestling space, but WWE more specifically, because WWE is more character uh, driven, and Bray Wyatt is nothing but a character. So if he comes back to WWE with this whole White Rabbit situation being him, it's going to be great. If it doesn't be ended up being him, I don't know who this could be. My best bet is Bray, but if it's not him, I don't know who else. Um, but yeah, those are the only three things I had to talk about here. Now, with that all being said, uh, I want to thank Apple, Google Podcasts, all these other podcast platforms uh, for allowing me to constantly be me, doing my thing. You know the drift. Um, I hope you guys have a good Saturday. I hope you guys have a great day. I know some of you guys got hit with the hurricane. I hope you guys' uh, stuff were not too drastic, too bad. Like me and my area over here, we got hit with like the hurricane, like Irma. And it wasn't bad like that. It was like some winds, some rain, but not like catastrophic for me over here. But again, I hope everybody is safe. Everybody's good. I hope you guys are doing well this Saturday. Please be safe. Please be careful out there. I hope you guys tune into the Sunday episode. But if you don't, hey, man, you guys can always tune back next Saturday where I talk about wrestling again. But with that, this has been D2. This has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. Have a blessed Saturday. And Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.